We're going to continue in Acts. We're in chapter 10. Going to pick it up at verse 9. Very fascinating passage about the uh, growth of the church in uh, the first century there. Starting at verse 9, you can follow along with me. About noon the following day, as they were approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I am the one you are looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to have you come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guest. Fascinating account of how God is continuing to work to spread the gospel throughout the world. And it deals with Peter, and we're familiar with Peter. We know he was one of the disciples that walked with Jesus. We know that uh, he had some ups and downs, but I want to explore about Peter a little bit. In the Gospel of John, we're told that Andrew heard John the Baptist preaching about Jesus and the need to baptize, and Andrew went and found his brother and said, Come, we have found the Messiah. And Simon went with him, and they started following Jesus. We have several names for Peter. His, his given name was Simon, and that uh, means little pebbles or little stones. When he came into Jesus' presence, Jesus saw him and immediately said, Thou art Cephas, which when translated means Peter, and Cephas means a big rock, a solid rock. And it's interesting, it just tells us, gives us a picture of how Jesus sees us. He hadn't had any time with Peter, he hadn't worked with him, hadn't walked with him, but he of course knew Peter's heart, knew Peter, and he realized Peter was a rock of faith for people, that he would be somebody prevalent and powerful and necessary as the kingdom message was being propagated throughout the world. Matthew tells us that Peter, like his brother, was a fisherman. They saw when Peter was fishing for himself, they used poles and hooks and lines back then, but 
when they were getting fish to sell and lot, they would have used nets. And it's fascinating watching on YouTube or other things how they do those nets. They're weighted. They learn a special way to throw them out and it spreads, catches the fish, and then they draw them in. And we have that time when they were fishing and weren't catching anything. And Jesus said, try the other side. And they thought, well, we've done that, but okay, Lord, you said that. So they cast their nets and they were so full they had to call for help to bring them in. They were fishermen. They were practiced in this. They were skilled in that and that. And I know that takes a skill because I do not have that skill. And so I admire those that know how to lure the fish to take the bait. Peter was mercurial. He could instantly take on a violent action. He did that in the garden. When the soldiers came for Jesus, he drew a sword and he cut off Malchus' ear, one of the Roman soldiers. And Jesus immediately healed his ear. But then he could be timid. There in the temple courts when Jesus was being tried, he stood back in the crowds out of sight and watched from afar because he was afraid of being uh, accused himself and he, as he was, and he denied that. So he had this great uh, variety of moods. A word for Peter often uses impetuous. He was impetuous. And that means acting without thought. And that's the kind of things we see when he cut off the soldier's ear. He just reacted. Another time, Jesus uh, is telling about how he was going to die and be crucified. And Peter blurts out in that impetuous way, arguing with the Messiah, that never let it be, Lord. And Jesus, to me very interestingly, comes back to Peter very direct and very harsh in one way because he says, Get thee behind me, Satan, for you're th not thinking of things of the kingdom. But of course, Peter continued to follow. Finally, we see that Peter was a man of action. Often that action was, it was an impetuous act. Often it was unthought when he should have used restraint. But people of action often act when others delay. They see a need, they jump to it, and God needed that attribute of Peter to where he was impetuous. He would stand up for what he believed in. He would act upon his faith. Acts chapter 10 begins with Cornelius, introduces Cornelius to us, who was up in Caesarea, north of Jerusalem, north of Israel. And it tells us that he was a centurion, and he was called a centurion because in those days in the Roman legion, when you had a hundred men, that was called a century. And so he was a centurion. He was over a hundred men of the Italian regiment, it tells us. And it tells us that he was a devout man. And this is, uh, again, another interesting insight into how we can do. As far as we know, Cornelius was not a Jew. He had not converted to Judaism. He certainly wasn't a Christian because that hadn't been introduced to him yet. But he obviously believed there was something superior to him. He worshipped. He followed Judaistic rituals. 
He gave alms to the poor and the Jews in the area, the ones that he was ruling over in a sense in that little town, recognized him as a devout person. And God saw something in him. God had a plan. God wanted to move the gospel into Europe. And that's where Cornelius was. And God saw Cornelius' heart. And he knew Cornelius was a man of faith and through whom the gospel could be spread. And so he appeared to to Cornelius in a vision. And he told Cornelius to get Peter to come because he had seen Cornelius' prayers and gifts. He saw his heart and he wanted to show him further what was the truth. And so Cornelius did. He sent men to go and get Peter. And that's where our story picks up. God, in the same time, drawing all this together, bringing all this together. There are no coincidences. There are God incidences. As God was talking to Cornelius to go and send for Peter, he's dealing with Peter by having this sheet of of strange creatures coming down. And Peter demonstrates his his faith, his his, uh, Judaistic practices when he recognized him as unclean. And to me, he shows that impetuous nature again. When he's having this vision, the sheets less down, God says, kill and eat. And he argues with God. He says, no God, I've never eaten anything unpure and clean. And God corrects him, says, what God has made clean, don't call unclean. And he drills this into Peter. And he's working with Peter, preparing him for what he was going to need, a change he was going to need to make in order to do what God would have him do. So we've seen that Peter was a a normal Jewish man in his day. He was a fisherman. He acted brashly sometimes. He tried to follow the rules of his faith. He cared about the Jewish people. And he desired that they would know Jesus as Messiah. When Peter received God's call to share the gospel, he did what was normal. He started sharing the gospel in Jerusalem to the Jews, to his kindred people. He wanted to see them know Christ. He wanted his people to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, a perfectly normal and a perfectly good attitude to have. He wanted to minister to them. He wanted to see them come to Christ. But the problem is Peter's normal and good intentions limited him from accomplishing what God wanted and what God needed done. Peter's limited vision was limiting his efforts to the kindred people in his hometown, and God had to broaden Peter's vision. He had to get him to expand his view of who should get the gospel. If he had not, we don't know how long the gospel would have been delayed to those people in Europe? How many would have died without the opportunity to receive Jesus as Savior if Peter had refused to learn? Peter was a bit dense. The disciples, a lot of times, as you read, it's easy to see they were kind of dense. They just didn't get Jesus' teachings. We can be kind of dense. 
We've, we've read the scripture, we've heard it for many years, but sometimes it doesn't sink in. I want to share what I'm talking about. If we jump ahead in the book of Acts, chapter 10, verses 34 and 35, after Peter has met with Cornelius, after he's seen them come to accept Christ, and he's seen the Holy Spirit come on them, Peter says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. So why do I say Peter was dense? Peter walked with Jesus for three years in his ministry. He was there day in, day out, hearing Jesus' teaching. He had the opportunity to sit around the campfire and hear personally from Jesus what he wanted them to know. He had direct tutelage from Jesus. He was there when Jesus said in Matthew 28:19, "Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit." Peter was there in the book of Acts when Jesus walked with them and when he ascended, but before he ascended in Acts 1:8, Jesus said to them, "You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you." And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So why do I say Peter was dense? Because it took this episode with Cornelius for it to sink into him that God wanted the gospel to go throughout the world. He, he had heard Jesus say, make disciples of all nations. He had heard Jesus say, yes, start in Jerusalem, but go to Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. But yet Peter, in his understanding, in his desires, in his, pardon me, in his very good desires, had stayed there in Jerusalem, where it was comfortable, where he knew the town, where he knew the people. He stayed there and ministered. But God needed him elsewhere. And so this experience broadened his vision, helped him to see that God had a bigger plan, had a, a, a more encompassing desire for literally the whole world to know Jesus Christ as Savior. Peter had missed early, just hadn't sinked in when Jesus said, make disciples of all nations. You see, the, the Jewish people, as did all the people in that area, I mean, it was part of the culture worldwide at that time, they believed a God was for a particular peoples, a particular nation. They didn't see, uh, even though the Jews had all the teaching, uh, they had the benefit of, of God's teaching over the years, they still hadn't really grasped that he was God of everyone, and God wanted everyone to know him. They made him a nationalistic God, and God needed to change that, uh, that belief of Peter, that attitude of Peter. And so he walked him through this steps, and he used the food that Peter considered unclean to be taught, if God says do it, you do it that those were some man-made rules that, had, that Peter was following. He wanted his disciples to spread the gospel throughout the world, literally. 
So when Peter met Cornelius and his family and realized they'd been saved by Jesus Christ, that they had received the Holy Spirit, just as Peter witnessed in Jerusalem. We read that passage in Jerusalem when the Holy Spirit came down, it looked like cloven tongues resting on the heads. When it came and then filled the people, Peter had seen how that happened to all the people there. And now he had seen it happen to a Gentile family. And the Gentiles were considered barbarians by the Jews. It was just where they were at the time. We can't throw stones. We have our prejudices. That was one of theirs. And yet Peter sees that God gave them the same Holy Spirit upon salvation that the Jews who believed in Christ received. And that opened his eyes. It illuminated him to new thoughts. It broadened his his frame of view. It broadened his vision of what God wanted to do. And he, he related that when he said, God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation those who accept Jesus as Lord. That opened Peter's eyes. Later, Peter wrote 2 Peter, and in verse 3 through 9 is a very powerful verse. There, Jesus, Peter says, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God desires everyone to know Him. And He expects us to go beyond our prejudices, our comfort zone, uh, our ideas, and to share the gospel with each and every one. So we see undoubtedly that Peter had caught God's vision. And was not, it was not just for the Jewish people, but the gospel was for the whole wide world. That means no matter what a person's language was, no matter what they looked like, no matter if they'd committed sins, no matter their level of education, financial status, or position in society, God wants them to know Him. Regardless if they're smart aleck, disrespectful, bored young person, God wants them to hear about Jesus Christ and accept Him as their Savior. Regardless if they're a drug addict or a drunk sleeping in a doorway, God wants them to hear about and receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. Regardless if they're covered with tattoos from head to toe and have ear spools in their earlobes and pierced nostril, God wants them to hear about Jesus and to accept Him as Savior and Lord. Those are things that may turn us off, may turn you off, maybe a person you don't think you want to talk to, maybe a person you become frustrated with, but God wants them to hear and you knowing have that knowledge to share. So like Peter, God has given us the task to tell everybody else. I even added some more in here. Regardless if they have a bigger house than you, drive a bigger, more expensive Ford pickup, or have the most powerful John Deere tractor, God even wants them to hear about Jesus Christ and accept them as their Savior.
God challenged Peter's good and normal desires. What Peter was feeling and working from was not wrong, it was just limited. He loved his Jewish race. He wanted them to know Jesus. He didn't mean to be exclusatory, but he just didn't go there. It was a right, good desire, and we can have those kind of desires. We can want to stay where it's comfortable, whether it's a location, whether it's a way things are done. You know, they they say the seven deadliest words of a church, or we've never done it that way before. I think it's a corollary to that is we've always done it that way. And God needs us to break out of that comfort zone because our cultures, our people are changing. We're we're developing different ways. This word hasn't changed. The sin nature hasn't changed. The need for Jesus haven't changed. But whereas... Most of you grew up, most of you sitting here grew up, didn't have to counter with children spending their lives on a smartphone or an iPad or uh, watching YouTube. We do now. And we need to get that message to them. And it takes us out of our comfort zone. It means we have to use different ways to share the word with them if we're going to obey God. So what we relish is good you have great wonderful memories you've shared them patsy shared this morning about people she loves who are now gone either they've gone on to heaven or they've gone on to a nursing home or they just can't be here but they're not here now but there's precious memories and you have them too of those people I remember coming and hearing stories about your 200th anniversary celebration and the wagons that pulled up and you dressed up in period clothing. And what a great time of celebration that was. That's a great memory. But those things aren't going to be relived. Those people aren't going to come back. But there's new people out there. We see them at the trunken tree as, as they bring their children by. We see them in the streets. We see them in the schools. And they need to know Jesus Christ. And they hear a different way. And so we need to speak their language. And that's going to take us out of our comfort zone. It's going to mean we do things differently. When I was a young boy, I went to a Christian-run camp in South Alabama. And loved it. Loved every bit of it. Years later, I went back. I considered being... A, uh, on staff with them. And as I went back and saw how they were doing things, I didn't like it. It wasn't how we did it. I was comfortable with the songs we sang. I was comfortable with the way we did dinner. And it was hard for me to accept that. I didn't necessarily think it was wrong, but it, it was just too different. We can be stuck there. And like Peter, if we stay stuck in those kind of things, we're limiting what God wants to do. But if we will yield to Him, not racing out, we don't want to be an impetuous Peter coming up with our own solutions, but we want to be ready when God says, go here, talk to this person, 
try this, we say, yes, Lord. God did challenge those normal desires. Peter, for all his impetuous, narrow focus, nationalistic views, he obeyed God and he went to Cornelius. That was against Jewish law. They were not to associate with non-Jews. They certainly were not to go into their homes. But Peter obeyed God, set that aside, sat down with them, shared with them about Jesus Christ, and had the opportunity to see them accept Christ as Savior, to see them receive the Holy Spirit, and to see God moving his kingdom into new worlds, new lands. He got to be instrumental in the gospel spread to Europe. And Europe was exposed to the gospel and given the opportunity to know Jesus Christ because Peter obeyed. God would have sent somebody else. God would have used somebody else. So if Peter had insisted on staying in Jerusalem, insisted on doing his own things, it wouldn't have stopped God it would have robbed Peter of the joy of being used by God and seeing this happen. God knew that Peter was the man for the job. Despite his failures and his basic nature, because Peter had a violent extreme actions on his record. Peter acted brashly and impetuously. Peter brought shame to the disciples in his denial of Jesus Christ. If Peter were to be interviewed by a church for a role of pastor, I bet he wouldn't even get an in-person interview. But God knew that Peter had what he needed for the gospel to be shared in different lands. Peter had God's seal of approval. And that's what matters. Peter gave himself fully to God. He obeyed God in whatever God wanted him to do. Historical records tell us that when Peter was put to death by Emperor Nero in A.D. 64, he was going to be crucified. But he asked that they crucify him upside down with the head down, feet up, because he didn't consider himself worthy to be crucified in the same manner as his Lord Jesus Christ. That's how dedicated and devoted he was to Jesus. So it's normal for us to desire that those like us come to know Jesus Christ. We want to worship with folks just like us, like Peter did. That's not bad, except when it interferes with who God wants to bring into the fold. God has commanded us, disciples by our alignment with Jesus Christ, to take his gospel to every person everywhere. We do that across our nation and globally with our broadcasts that we do each Sunday. We literally have people around the world and across our nation watching. We do that with our gifts to the church that goes to join with other Southern Baptist churches and sending missionaries around the world. We call it the cooperative program. Baptist churches cooperating together to fulfill the great commission of Jesus Christ. So you do that 
with your gifts that you give to the Lord. You're supporting those missionaries. You're supporting that message going around the world. The question is, for us, will we follow Peter's example? Will we take the gospel to the people across the street? Well, or will we keep it to ourselves? We believe in God, but do we believe God? I put that question to you regularly. Will we go beyond living a good life and being kind to others, good things to do, and tell them of our faith in Jesus Christ? When we don't personally share our faith, it's like we're feasting at a banquet in front of starving people, and we don't say, come sit down and have some. We wouldn't imagine doing that, but we do it with the gospel. One way to show others to Christ is to live a life of kindness, to be a person who helps and gives, to be a shoulder to cry on, and you do that. But if we do not share that we live that way because of Jesus Christ, we're just being a nice person. And the world is filled with nice unbelievers and some who completely reject Jesus Christ. So we have to speak up. We have to say something so that people know I love you with the love of the Lord. That I love you not because I like you, but because Jesus commands me to love you and want the best for you. That I go out of my way to share with you the good news of Jesus Christ, to show you his love because of what he's done for me, because what I know he has for you, and I want to share. God had to take drastic actions with Peter to get him to see that. He was doing good things. He was doing good. He was doing what he knew to do. But God said, there's bigger vistas, vistas, Peter. There's other people that aren't being told. And you have the skills to go do that. God still says that today. There's a world lost and dying without, because they don't have Jesus Christ. Will we take the message to him? Let's stand and sing. Challenging message. And one of the things I've thought about so many times in sharing, I'm going to share it now. Often when we think of change, we think of subtracting. We think of not doing something. But we need to think of it as addition. We continue to do the backpack ministry. We continue to take meals to people. We continue to host meals here after a funeral. We continue all that, but we add to it by saying, do you know Jesus Christ? Do you know your destination in eternity? So we don't subtract, we add the gospel. Listen.